Hello and welcome to Authentically Alongside. I'm your host, Sarah Nishimoto. And I'm Emily Kallenberg, coming alongside Sarah. This podcast exists as a way to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We want to come alongside you authentically, sharing our lives and hope in Jesus. Hello and welcome back to Authentically Alongside. Last episode, we talked about how to be the best versions of ourselves, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. So on our Facebook page, after our last episode, we ran a poll to see how hurry impacts your lives. Uh, We just want to thank you so much for those of you that participated. And I'm not going to lie, I was a bit surprised at the number of people who felt like their lives were busy, but they were managing well. Me too. That just wasn't (laughs) Hasn't been my experience (laughs) since being a mother, at least. Um, So I was kind of surprised. And I do feel like I'm at a place where I'm moving in that direction, uh, and especially this summer. But I honestly expected more people to fall into the busy and overwhelmed all the time category, Uh, especially based on conversations I've had with people this spring. But I want those of you that are listening that feel like your lives are overwhelming to know that you are not alone. Um, I have personally been there for seasons much longer (laughs) than I could cope with in a healthy way. And for those of you that shared your stories, we see you. Um, We know how hard that is. And we are so sorry for the challenging seasons that you are walking through Um, and hurry and stress. It impacts our souls and our bodies in more ways than we have time to discuss in this podcast. Um, But we appreciate that some of you were willing to be authentic with us as well. So I've taken this past year to slow down and I am still feeling the effects of living beyond my capacity for such a long time and eliminating hurry and slowing down our lives takes intentionality and probably won't happen overnight, right, Sarah? (laughs) In my own life, I felt like I had slowed down and reduced expectations of myself as much as I possibly could, only to find there was more work to do. My counselor at one point said, you just need to reduce your expectations. And I was like, you don't know how much I've lowered my expectations. I can't lower them any further. Reduce them to zero. (laughs) And sure enough, I kept finding areas where I could lower expectations of myself or eliminate things or um, cut things out just to slow things down in my life. Um, Or reduce my tendencies to perfectionism in those same Hmm. tasks. Um, But this, you know, allows me to slow more, pay more attention to being present in the moment. Um, And this meant less time hurrying and more time in God's presence. Emily, I love how you shared it's it's a process and it's not a quick yeah. one as we can't hurry through it as much as we would like to. I think we think we <laughs> can just be like, I'm going to slow down and we can go from running our lives 100 miles per hour to suddenly just being slow and peaceful. Right. But it doesn't work that way. It's our, not. We are like 
we are trained to hurry in Mm -hmm. this culture and we can't just stop and slow down like we want to. Yeah. So in his book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer gives us four ways that we can practically begin to slow down our lives and take on that easy yoke of Jesus that we talked about last time. So the first practice that we are going to dive into is silence and solitude. Mm -hmm. So if you are a listener who's been with us since the start, um, in one of our past episodes, Making Space, I talked about how we can make space in our lives for God by practicing spiritual disciplines. And one of those disciplines I feel like we're pretty bad at practicing is that of silence and solitude. I think Sarah may have peered into (laughs) my daily habits to see how hard this is for me. Um, It's so hard. Like many others, I've grown accustomed to constant noise. Um, Growing up with five brothers, and now I have four (laughs) incredibly quiet kids of my own. <laughs> um, our culture, I think, has trained me to be constantly inter- entertained, yeah. too. So when there's silence, I look to fill it. And um, silence and solitude is an uncomfortable practice at times in our current cultural moment Definitely. and in my own life. Yeah. It may be uncomfortable, but it's one that we see that Jesus clearly models for us in the Gospels. Many times we read that Jesus went off to a solitary place or he withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Mark 1.35 shares one instance of this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. So what is silence and solitude? We see Jesus modeling silence and solitude, but before we go any further, let's talk about what silence and solitude actually is. So I love the definitions I found in the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. First, silence is a regenerative practice of attending and listening to God in quiet without interruption and noise. Silence provides freedom from speaking as well as from listening to words or music. And the practice of solitude involves scheduling enough uninterrupted time in a distraction-free environment that you experience isolation and are alone with God. In our busy world, it's hard to make time that's truly distraction-free and uninterrupted. Time we can actually be alone with God. No words, no music, but it's so vital to our growth. Right. My world is so loud and noisy. Um, Even just this morning, as I was kind of we were, I was glancing at our notes and kind of adding in a few extra things for today's podcast. And um, my kids were up early because it's <laughs> summer break now. And it was just so loud. Like I got up early thinking I'd be able to work on this before the kids were up. And, but of course my son was already up and he, if you've met my son, you know, he just runs, um, he just runs. And so from the moment he's up, he's, squealing and laughing and it's sweet and adorable but it's it's, not quiet it's not quiet (laughs) so tangent but um (laughs) so but when i find time alone in the quiet i'm often still tempted to fill it um to grab my computer and do something productive work on a podcast or um so many other things homework when i have classes that i've done or Alternatively, if I don't feel like being productive, um, grab my phone and mindlessly scroll. And silence and solitude is choosing to ignore those urges and to sit quietly before the Lord, making space for him in our busy days, to be with him, to feel his presence, 
and to hear his voice. So I don't think silence and solitude is something that comes very naturally to most of us to sit and just be with the father without speaking, without reading. I think we're comfortable with reading scripture. We're comfortable with prayer, at least to some extent, kind of the concept of the quiet time from when right. I was in, um, when I was in, in middle school and high school, that was a concept that was introduced, but it was very much, uh, read your Bible, um, maybe read a devotional that goes with it and say a prayer, but there was no room for any, any just silence, um, in there. Silence and solitude is a little different than that. Um, so why should we practice it if it's so unnatural? Yeah, I think, you know, what you were saying about the devotions and it's like, it's this structured, you read and you pray mm -hmm. and with silence and solitude, you don't always know what to expect. Like right. it's not always a checklist like, oh, I did my reading check and I did yes. this check or I heard this from God check, but it's different because I, you yeah. don't always have measurable outcomes. No, I for think silence and solitude. I think the measure of success to check off is just showing up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So practicing silence and solitude, it has so much fruit. When we learn to quiet ourselves and the voices of others, we can allow ourselves to be available to hear the voice of God when he speaks. And that creates a deeper level of intimacy with him. I also love that in um, the spiritual handbooks discipline, it also says silence and solitude free us from the need to be occupied or stimulated. And that may be a hard truth to hear, but like Emily talked about earlier, we're so used to giving our attention to something, our phones, our TVs, other people, even a good book. We can give our attention to good things sometimes too. Even this podcast. Even this <laughs> Yeah, please don't turn this podcast off. <laughs> Wait until it's done. Um, so when we remove practicing, when we practice removing those distractions and then focus only on God, we are free from the things that are always competing for our attention. We're free to set our thoughts on things above. We're free to have the mind of Christ. We're free to renew our minds with the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Yes. All of the busyness that we are used to filling our lives with takes a toll on us, but it also becomes our default. And choosing silence and solitude is a way to combat these tendencies and choose to stop and choose God. And if you're like me at all, have you ever felt just too tired to pray or read your Bible? And I'm not talking about sleepy, you just woke up um, and just aren't ready to be present, but just too exhausted from everything to be able to shift gears and focus on God's words or put together words to pray. Um, in her words, Sacred Rhythms, um, in her words, in her book, uh, <laughs> Ruth Haley Barton um, wrote it this way. She said, when deeper levels of exhaustion set in, there is a slippage in our spiritual practices because we do start to feel that we are beyond hope and we don't have energy even for the disciplines and rhythms that are normally life-giving for us. Over time, we fail to receive the natural replenishment that flows from a rhythm of meaningful spiritual practices, and we suffer inner drought. Have you ever felt this, that just that the, the, what it takes to pray or to do the things that do give us life, mm -hmm. that you just don't have the energy to do it. Yeah. All you have the energy to do is flip on the TV and mindlessly watch something. Mm -hmm. um, I have felt this for sure. Yeah. 
Definitely. And we're so tired and spiritual disciplines can feel like another way of striving, almost striving for God, but solitude brings our tired, overwhelmed bodies and souls to God, because we don't, there's, we don't have to do anything. Um, we just come as we are and allow God to be our rest as we sit quietly with him. Yep. We just have to show up. Another benefit of practicing silence and solitude is being rooted in our true identity in Christ, in the love of God. Like Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So practicing silence and solitude, it allows us to be rooted and firmly established in his love, and that changes the way that we live our lives. And we've talked about how having a right identity of ourselves in light of how God sees us is so important on previous episodes of the podcast. And I'm sure we'll keep talking about uh, it. We will. It just changed so much because when we are secure in what God says about us, we're less tempted to let the world define us yeah. or doubt our worth. Um, when we remember how truly loved by God we are, we can walk in greater confidence and purpose. Um, in the book, again, Comer notes that after Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting and praying, he came out with all sorts of clarity about his identity and calling. He was grounded, centered, in touch with God and himself. From that place of emotional equilibrium and spiritual succor, he knew precisely what it was to say. He knew precisely what to say yes to, and just as importantly, what to say no to. Mm -hmm. So it's only when we spend those times in the quiet moments with God that we can have that same clarity, centeredness and grounding. And that time we hear only his voice and what he says about us. And when we receive that and we walk in that, we can drown out the noise of the world and walk with confidence in our identity and our calling. So I think there's a lot of confusion and hesitance amongst Christians when it comes to silence and solitude. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. I think sometimes people think it feels too much like meditation or sounds more like something that Buddhism would promote. Um, and what about mindfulness? Um, this is kind of a buzzword right now. Mm -hmm. And you may wonder if these are the same thing as silence and solitude and even worry about practicing it because it feels too new age or mind because mindfulness is similar and is probably kind of the secular version of what we're talking about to some extent um mindfulness is found by my very important google search um, <laughs> is the mental state achieved by focusing awareness on the present moment Mindfulness also brings acceptance of your feelings and thoughts and even, you know, um, bodily sensations. So as Christians, though, we can make a distinct difference in how we practice. In silence and solitude, we are filling the mind with Jesus rather than emptying the mind. Um, it's still good for us to try to, because um, our minds tend to just run. Yeah. And when we spend time with God, there is that kind of just, kind of letting those things go um, to focus on God, but we're not letting them go just to leave this end goal of emptying our mind, but the, it is to fill it up mm -hmm. with Jesus and with God. 
Um, to renew our minds. Exactly. Um, so our attention is on God, his holiness and his presence with us. And sometimes I take a piece of scripture with me to meditate on letting God's words be repeated again and again in my mind. Um, so how does silence and solitude help us eliminate hurry? Um, it literally builds space in our lives to be still and practice not being in a hurry. <laughs> um, it's the silence and solitude is the exact opposite of hurrying and running right. and hustling um, and striving. Um, it creates space for us to commune with God, helping us to be present in the moment with him. It helps us set aside worries, focusing on God and his faithfulness to us. And that just makes us less anxious um, and have less need to hurry. The more, And then similarly, the more we hurry, the more compelled we feel to hurry. So conversely, to combat hurry, the more we practice silence, the more then our bodies get used to it and the more we desire it and it slows down our souls. Yeah. And I think that's important too. It's like literally stopping our bodies and being mm-hmm. still, but also our souls benefit from that. Yep. Um, I just wanted to read a few things that in the book, Comer says are signs of uh, a life of sim- of silence and solitude. I can talk. <laughs> so when we practice silence and solitude, we can find our quiet places. Those can be uh, parked on the street, a reading nook, a morning routine, comes um, before anybody else is awake. Like this morning, I woke up early and everybody was still asleep and it was so nice. Isn't that beautiful? And so <laughs> it was the best. So I just curled up on the couch with my dog and just practiced silence and it was so good. And so my day has been really good since then. I haven't felt in a rush. I haven't felt hurried. I have felt, I've been able to carry that peace with me through that time. And also like we take our time with things. We um, just need a few minutes, sometimes longer in silence and solitude too, but practicing it helps us to slow down. It helps us to come back to the present. And we start to feel, we start to feel all those feelings in us when we actually stop doing things. We can acknowledge those feelings Mm -hmm. and we can tell God, hey, I'm feeling these things. and if we just keep pushing through, we just keep distracting ourselves from those things and we never address those underlying emotions and feelings. Yeah. Um, so again, it allows us to face the good, the bad and the ugly in our lives and really get down to who we are and what's motivating us and everything. So we can also sense his voice when we take time to stop and yeah. be silent. So Sarah, how do we start? If this is the new concept to some of our listeners, how do we start practicing silence and solitude? So first of all, we need to recognize that it is a practice and we're not <laughs> going to just nail it the first time. What? <laughs> I'm just going to go to a, I think I'm going to go to a monastery and just like chill out that for sounds appealing, 72 actually. hours. <laughs> Maybe not that long, but. Thinking about silence here. Um. So if you've never practiced silence and solitude, it might be pretty uncomfortable at first. You're alone with your thoughts. You don't have anything to distract you. And um, when you first do it, you might not feel any different or lighter, and you might not receive a word from God. Mm -hmm. 
that the important thing to do is to keep showing up. So start small, set a timer for maybe five minutes or more if you can. And start where you are, mm -hmm. not where you think you should be. Right. You don't have to try to do a full hour of silence and solitude mm -hmm. first. So just a few minutes, find a quiet place in your house or outside, even just in your car. And we also recognize that especially if you are a parent, it is summer. This is hard. Mm -hmm. I've already told you my morning did not go the way I wanted it right. to. Um, but there are ways you can be creative. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And just try to make sure as best as you can that you won't be interrupted by family members or other people. Um, I know in the summer, especially my husband is really good about taking the kids somewhere or just mm -hmm. making them be quiet. Um, so it's always good when you have somebody who can help you, um, you know, set aside that time. And you wanna make sure your phone is off or on do not disturb, just don't have it with you. Um, just try to eliminate as many distractions as you can. Quiet your body and your mind and simply say, here I am, Lord. And if this is your first time setting aside a time like this, it's going to be natural to have thoughts that come in your mind. Um, acknowledge them, but then let them go. That's good why where Sarah mentioned simply saying, here I am, when you feel, hear those thoughts kind of come, you can, you can take those words to help bring you back mm -hmm. to, to God, to help focus your attention on God. Um, but you may also at first notice that you feel anxious or maybe even a little depressed, like, or you might feel some shame, um, over not being able to focus, or you may just be bored mm -hmm. <laughs> and, because we are used to that constant input and stimuli. So when we choose to sit in silence, um, our thoughts will usually come to the surface, yeah. like Sarah mentioned, and this is 100% normal. Yep. So uh, again, I try to practice silence and solitude every morning. It's not a long time usually. It's um, maybe just a few minutes of silence and solitude and then like more time reading and praying. But um yeah, I try to do that before waking everybody else in the house wakes up. And it doesn't always happen uh, when we're on different schedules, but that's how I prefer to start my day. And I notice a difference if I don't start my day that way. Yeah. I, on the other hand, prefer to wait until my kids have stepped onto the school bus <laughs> and can relax for a minute after the storm of our kind of crazy morning. So when I first wake, I still like to focus on God, but it takes me a while to really wake <laughs> up and I just know when I am my myself. Um, so when I first wake up, I choose to put in my headphones and turn on my morning Bible reading and fill my mind with the word of God while I kind of wake up. Now with summer here, I'm going to have to find a new rhythm um, because, you know, trying to find that silence this morning, it just didn't happen. And by the time I was ready to really enter God's presence, presence my kids were arguing and asking for food and <laughs> silence is just a wish like yeah. I, this morning like I was able to like you know kids are so funny too I was able to do the dishes and um finish kind of tidying up the kitchen uh with nobody interrupting me but then <laughs> I went and just to the bathroom for right 45 seconds and sure enough knock 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 are you there mom <laughs> of course I am but leave me alone <laughs> but great. I love how you mentioned that you'll have to find a new rhythm yeah. for right now. Mm -hmm. And that's so important too. Like 
when you find a rhythm that works for you, mm-hmm. you're not locked into that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Different seasons of your life demand different rhythms. Yeah. And if you are a mom with young kids or a, or a father, um, you may, you may find that this doesn't look the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you have a spouse that can help you find time, or maybe you have a predictable nap time where you can do this, but maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's always something going on. Um, I know in seasons like that, sometimes even just, um, putting in headphones, maybe let the kids with a little more screen time mm-hmm. and, you know, and maybe wouldn't be perfect silence, but with some soothing music in the background yeah. instead of music with words that yeah. could kind of drown out some of the noise, let you focus your attention, even for just a few minutes, um, just finding different rhythms and being, being creative, like we mentioned. Um, so you may have listened to this conversation and thought this idea of silence and solitude sounds weird or uncomfortable. (laughs) And you may have even asked yourself, why bother? So is silence and solitude a requirement of following Jesus? And our answer to you is no, it's absolutely not. It is simply an invitation to follow the way that Jesus lived. And my attitude tends to be, as Sarah and I have um, walked over this journey in the last year or so, but why would we want to miss out on what God has for us? I think um, I was going to look it up, but I forgot. In one of the the books that we read, it talks about, you know, not showing up into solitude and silence because you're afraid you're not going to hear anything from God. Yes. And, but show up anyway, because Mm -hmm. why would you want to miss out if if he does show up? Um, Because he will. Um, he might not be the way you expect it or the way you wish, or might not be every single time, but just keep showing up. And even when you show up, even if you don't hear like a specific word from God, it's still resting your soul. Mm -hmm. It's still turning your attentions to God. And we're still putting God first in our lives. And it just like, it's just a reorganization of our priorities. Yeah. So however long we're able to practice silence and solitude, it's important that we carry that peace and God's gentle presence with us throughout the rest of the day. When we've centered ourselves in his love and his presence, we can show up differently in our interactions with everyone else throughout the day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Authentically Alongside. We hope this was an encouragement to you as we walk together towards Jesus.